Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, what's going on, guys? This is the week of the Sony Open, the second week of the year, and first full field event of the year. And I got Dylan Wu, who is a second-year PGA Tour pro that is playing this week. The story that he had that got him into this tournament, he started as an alternate. Uh, tried to go uh, Monday qualifying there uh, down the street from Wailai. And, uh, yeah, the story of him getting in is pretty cool. So that's in this podcast here. A lot of good background with him. He's got his brother as caddy, his younger brother, Jeremy. A lot of cool stories. He talks about live golf and what that has done to the game. PGA Tour, of course, there's so much going on in his career at this moment. So what is he thinking as a second-year player? What does he learn? What goals going ahead? It's Dylan Wu here on Beyond the Clubhouse. All right, I'm pleased to be joined by Dylan Wu. He is in his second year on the PGA Tour. He's won one time on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he went to Northwest, won three times there in college. And Dylan, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. You got it, man. Well, listen, you're you're coming off of a December where you get married and you go to the Swiss Alps, and now you're in Hawaii. I mean, does life get any better? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's been pretty busy lately. Um, but honestly, since the day of the wedding, I feel like it's been it's been great. I feel like the planning going into it is a lot of stress. Um, so honestly, the honeymoon was awesome. And then, um, yeah, really excited to start the season again this week in, in, uh, in Oahu here. Um, it's hard to, hard to beat a Hawaii in January. Um, it's pretty nice here. Yeah. And we'll definitely get to, to Sony in a minute and where you are in Hawaii, but I'm interested. You're, you're a foodie, you're a big time foodie and and you love your wine. So was there anything in Switzerland where you and your wife, Margaret went to, um was there anything special about that obviously you got some swiss chocolate i imagine but anything yeah. come to mind yeah so our honeymoon was uh, basically two weeks we actually started in paris went to germany um and then went to switzerland for six days uh we not bad lot, i ate a lot of pastries i'll say the entire <laughs> the entire trip it was great um did drink a decent amount of wine had a lot of tried some more french wines while i was in in europe honestly being in paris and then also in Switzerland and everything, I'm like, okay, if I'm gonna be drinking wine, I'm, I might as well try some Bordeaux and and some Burgundies, um, which was great, um, just because I feel like it's a little easier to try a little older wines in Europe versus, yeah, when you go to rest when you go to a restaurant in the U.S. and you try to get most of the say a Napa Cab, you're trying like a 2018, 2019, and if you want to spend a lot of money, you can try like a 2013, 2014. So it was it was it was great. Um, ate a lot of food. I definitely gained a lot of weight over there. Um, just the one good thing about going to Europe, say when it's colder in the winter, it's just like, oh, I'll put an undershirt on, a sweater, and then just a parka on. That's my outfit every <laughs> every day, basically. So then I can just eat whatever I want. But we really enjoyed the trip. It was great. We went to a lot of Christmas markets over in Germany and Paris and Switzerland. We're big fans of that. Um, my wife and I loved doing that when we were in Chicago at the Chris Kindle market. Uh, it's basically like glue wine, which is like mold wine, uh, like nuts bratwurst and all these food that are not that great for you but great for the holidays so um it was really really fun but we ate at a michelin rest michelin star restaurant in switzerland at zermatt 
uh, right next to the Matterhorn. And it was awesome. It was great. I mean, the food was great. I mean, the one thing I was surprised with, like in Europe, the hotel breakfast and hotel like room service in Europe is 10 times better than in the US. Like hotel breakfast. I don't know. Like I was just like, hotel breakfast is good. I'm like, all the pastries are good. Like the service is good. I'm like, wow, this is completely different. And then you, when you think of American breakfast, you think of like the Holiday Inn Express and stuff like that. And like cinnamon rolls or just really bad eggs or something like that. But like the <laughs> breakfast in Europe is is great. So no, it was great. A really fun trip. Yeah, actually, you're, you're right. I remember I was lucky. I had a honeymoon in Italy with my wife like seven, eight years ago. And I remember the breakfast, like you would sit there, you could sit there for an hour and you just keep oh. the food coming. Just keep it coming. Yeah. Yeah, it's like there's no reason to go out to eat because like the food's just as good. Like I was eating in Paris the first day. I was like, oh, do I have to go out to breakfast somewhere? I'm like eating and there's like croissants and all these pastries. I'm like, these are good. Like these are solid. Like I would buy these. And I was just kind of surprised by that. Um, And this, I think I think that's the one thing like in Europe, like the services at the hotels and everything, like the the experience they want you to have is is really good. Versus in the U.S., it's like, yeah, just just stay here. Basically, just stay at the hotel out. <laughs> Yeah, hospitality. There's a lot of other things going on there in Europe, for sure. Um, well, you're in Hawaii now, so I got to ask you, I know that Ryan French, a case of the golf one on Twitter, he was mentioning that you were on the 14th hole when you got a call uh, yeah. that you were in the tournament, right? You were an alternate. You started this week as an alternate for Sony Open. So when you get that call, what does that feel like? feels great. I mean, I, I woke up uh, Monday morning at an early tea time, I think 8 a.m., but I woke up and I saw that I moved to first alternate. I'm like, hmm. First alternate Monday morning, pretty good chance of getting in. Um, but, but I was like, I've taken a lot of time off, got married and everything. And I'm like, my game feels good. Like I played back home in Scottsdale, I was playing well, but I'm like, it's a little different playing well at home versus in a competition, even a Monday qualifier. So I was like, let me just let me just try to embrace today and try to grind, hopefully play well. And then um, just it'll be good reps, hopefully getting into the tournament. And like, I honestly didn't play that bad, but I just was not scoring. Like, like hitting shots were like, hit decent shots, not make the pot. Then you hit one bad, like, okay shot kicks into a, the face of a bunker. I'm like, all right, this is, this is cool. Like this just shows that <laughs> like, golf, golf can be a little unforgiving. Um, but it was great. I was literally, when you're playing, not that great. I was like in between shots. I was like, we're waiting. It's slow. We're, I was in a twosome with Y.E. Yang. Um, we're just hanging out, but like on a tee box, like it's, it's, we have a threesome in front of us. Like I was like, Oh, I'll just take out my phone to check if I'm first, if I moved in. And I was like on the green, uh, my 14th hole and I, I had my phone in my pocket at this point because I was three over par <laughs> so <laughs> I, right before I'm about to putt I, I hear I feel my phone vibrating and I'm like oh I look down and it's it says PJ Toron and I'm like oh this is a good call so I was pretty pretty pumped to to get in I actually played one more hole after that um it's like the hardest hole in the course like a 490 yard par four into the wind water it's my only birdie <laughs> only birdie of the day so of maybe, course. maybe, maybe, yeah, just the way golf is, right? Trying, just, just trying less. Like, oh, I got in, then, then make a birdie. Um, but it was great, uh, especially getting in on Monday versus the on Tuesday and stuff like that. Uh, just because it just helps the preparation, and everything. You feel it was weird. Like yesterday, I was three over at one point in the Monday qualifier. Then, as soon as I got the call, I drove over to Wiley and I was hitting on the range right next to Jordan's feet. I'm like, that doesn't really make sense, but. Um, <laughs> That's the way golf is sometimes, um, especially me being in the 126 to 150 category this year, uh, that conditional category. Some tournaments I'm, I might be an alternate and might get in um, last minute. So it's kind of just be prepared uh, for that uncertainty and just seize the opportunity when you can. So now I'm excited to, to be playing this week. Um, I played decent here last week, uh, last year. Yeah, um, top 20. Your first, 
yeah yeah so it's a it's a great spot i mean i like hawaii um so looking forward to another great week well you you got your first top 20 as a pt tour player as a member there last year as you're talking about so i'm curious like what for the audience at home that watches on tv what's something that might surprise you if you're there in person at wailai it's very 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 firm um like for hawaii you think of island golf you think of like kind of the ball just kind of splats usually because like you know it's like a lot like when we play in bermuda and some other places like it's pretty soft but the course is actually very very firm um it's a good golf course it's an old school golf where the old school golf course that hasn't been really changed much at all i think it's the 25th year they've hosted it um i think it's the 25th anniversary i think i saw on a bunch of signage here at the sony um but it's just a good i mean it's a good golf course it's a good test of golf it's it if it gets really windy that's when it gets really tough um, just because it's kind of narrow. Like you kind of, it's a position golf course. Um, it may look kind of open on the tee, uh, like on camera and everything, but it's pretty narrow, especially when it gets firmer, just because it's harder to hold the fairways. Um, the rough is decently high this year. Um, the greens aren't, aren't super firm, but they're, they're decently quick, um, especially quick when you, when you've taken some, some time off. Um, <laughs> most courses back in the U S aren't, aren't rolling very fast. Um but yeah, it's just a good good golf course. I think a lot of guys like it. Say it say it takes driver out of the player's hands more than other courses, just because um, some holes gets na- get narrow and it's really hard to kind of hold the greens um, when you're in the rough. So it's not a you can't really overpower the golf course. I mean, you can tell like I think Russell Henley and Hideki were in a playoff last year at twenty under. I feel like last year the it was like a more favorable win than when I played today um it's a good golf course yeah no i think people people like it a lot um the one cool thing about the clubhouse uh the food usually in dining in a pj tour events usually a buffet and everything but here it's like a restaurant it's like the restaurant inside and you order off a menu and it's like good hawaiian food so i know a lot of guys like it a lot well and for you as a foodie i mean if you're just in heaven i'm sure exactly exactly uh- uh, it's funny when i think about um you know obviously it's monday qualifier that you played in this week to obviously competing but you, you you're you're no stranger to that you monday qualifiers you you played actually met you there at the u.s open qualifier there at woodmont in in maryland when you made it through to your first u.s open and i'm just curious like you've mentioned in the past there's a couple real big monday qualifiers and you think of especially with the west coast coming up there's tory yeah. is always a big one you said tory and then of course phoenix as well yeah. what makes those two really unique monday qualifiers I think it's just early in the year, like the corn fairy hasn't started yet. Sometimes like it's where like the guys who have conditional status, like the corn fairies in South America, like in Colombia, Panama, like you can't really do qualifiers. There's no qualifiers there. So then the guys who have conditional status on corn fairy will all play the, the Monday qualifiers for farmers and, and waste. And they just want to be, those events are great. I mean, you're playing the waste management this year's an elevated event. It's for three spots, but there's times where like, so 150 people signed up for three spots. That's it's crazy. Like, then it's like if you get an afternoon tea time, you're probably not gonna you're probably not gonna make it. Um, uh, and the what the the nature of Monday qualifiers. Like I was just talking about this on like in the practice round on Sunday with a couple of buddies. I was like, whoever created Monday qualifiers is kind of just a mean person. It's like Monday qualifiers are <laughs> so hard. Like I think Brooks Kapka and like Jordan were talking about. It's like this guy is like. Scotty Scheffler and Will Zalatoris. I think Ryan French always talks about this. Like they all try to do the Monday qualifier for the Utah Corn Ferry one year, shot six under and missed by like two or three. It's just like Monday qualifier. Monday qualifiers are a crapshoot. Like you don't give trophies on the PGA Tour for one round. Like it's seventy-two holes. You need it for four times. But 
kind of a lot. There's a lot of players that can catch catch a heater one day, and I think that's why you see like say why some people um once they Monday qualify they don't necessarily play well in the tournament. Like I'd say like mm. especially if they're non-member, just because it's it's completely different. I mean, you're playing a different golf course. It's usually more tournament conditions. Sometimes when you play a Monday qualifier, the courses are pretty easy because all the the section really wants is making money. So they might charge you a hundred bucks to play a practice on a, like a, a mediocre golf course, but like they're making money. Um, and it's not necessarily the best test of golf for the tournament. Hawaii is actually a great, a great Monday qualifier because it's at a country club. It takes like a good score. Usually like, I think when I did it a couple of years ago, uh, I think last year two under got through it was windy four yeah. under in the playoff a couple of years ago, four under was in the playoff yesterday. It was in a big playoff because the weather was kind of good. Um, but like four under being in a playoff is kind of unheard or like that means the course is harder versus like I played the Shriner Shriners Monday qualifier. That's one of my, it's the only time I Monday qualified for a PJ tour event um, was at the Shriners a couple of years ago. I shot 63, nine under me and another guy shot it. And then there was a, I think it was an eight for two playoff at eight under par. It's like, okay, if you shoot seven under par, you have no chance, no chance of doing that. It doesn't really, it's not the best way to like, analyze your golf just because you can be on that Monday qualifier grind and shoot four, four, five under six under and you don't get anything. So it's just, it's kind of its own beast a little bit. Um, but yeah, I was glad I, I played yesterday, got some reps in and kind of learned from what I was doing kind of wrong or, uh, just not playing well, uh, just not scoring. So it kind of, kind of was like a wake up call, which was nice just cause I think some people who would be first alternate be like, yeah, I'll just skip the Monday qualifier, take my chances. Cause you'll probably get in, but yeah, uh, but I just you never know. Yeah, you never know exactly. Um, but I just took it as an opportunity. Just like, Hey, it's another competitive round while I'm here. Let me, let me practice and play and it'll help me when I get into the tournament. Yeah. And, and it's funny, like, so you've made it through, through one PJ tour, but then of course one us open as well. So those are yes. the two big Mondays when it comes to the highest level, right. That you've gotten through. Yeah. Yeah, U.S. Opens probably it's it's its own beast because it's thirty six holes. Yeah, that's the only that's the only one you see a lot of people withdraw. That's actually last year at Woodmont. I was playing okay. That I was I, it's on Monday, and I remember I had to go to Canada after. I'm like, it's thirty six holes. I'm going to Canada for the RBC Canadian. I'm like, I'm not. I'm played twenty nine holes right now, and I know I'm probably not going to make it. <laughs> this is probably when I should withdraw. That's like the first time I've ever withdrew in a tournament. Um, when I was like on my own, like in my career, and I felt weird, weirded out by it because I usually love finishing it out. Like, even yesterday when I got the call, I was like, I was playing with Y Yang, and I was like, Oh, I made a birdie, let me play the last three holes. And we were kind of waiting, and Y is like, No, nah, I'm gonna go in right now. And I'm like, Uh, the clubhouse is kind of close here, I'll go in then. Uh, <laughs> you talk me into it, yeah, exactly. But yeah, US Open sectionals is that's that's a different beast too because it's 36 holes. Um, that's a grind. Um, that's I feel like in U.S. Open sectionals, at least it's like it's, it's thirty-six holes is a better way to show who's who's at the very top or who's who who deserves to qualify versus eighteen holes. Um, that's why like USAM qualifying when you're in college was like super big because USAM qualifying was thirty-six holes. Um, I think that just show like it just shows who's the better golfer over more holes. Eighteen holes is just you can just get hot one day. Um, Versus even in U.S. Open sectionals, it's one day, but it's a long day. I mean, you have to play well for nine, ten hours, um, and it's a grind. And then the U.S. Open is not like a month later. It's like a week a week and a quarter later, and it could be right. across the 
It's like, oh yeah, you got into the US Open, you gotta change all your plans and go there. It's like, oh. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Speaking of the US Open, um, you made it through. That was the first major you ever played. You finished tied for 31, but you know what? You got into that top 10 at one point on Saturday. You know what I mean? So you were playing some pretty darn good golf. What did that feel like uh, for, for you to really be in the mix? Yeah, it was weird. I always tell people, I'm like, looking back at that, I'm like, it was a weird tournament because being my first major, I was, I felt like the entire week I wasn't nervous. It was weird. Like I, I've been nervous playing in money games at home. Like if I've taken some time <laughs> off to make a putt or something or hitting my first tee shot somewhere, like I feel like I've been more nervous. And at the U.S. Open, I was like playing well. Like I saw my name on like on Friday, I was like in tee second at one point when I was starting my second round and like playing well on Saturday a little bit. And I was like, just thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm, this just feels like I'm playing just a casual round a little bit. Like I loved it. It was great. It was a really cool experience playing at playing at the U S open, just to experience the the conditioning and playing against the best players in the world. Um, but that's the one thing I took from it. I'm like, wow, my nerve, some, for some reason that week, the biggest tournament I've ever played, I was completely calm. Um, and it's not always like that. So that's the one thing that, um, was really cool about that week was like, Oh yeah, it was just felt super chill. Even on the first tee, like the first tee of a major championship, you think like, Oh crap, let's try to, let's hit this fair. <laughs> let's try to put a good swing on this. Um, but no, it was really fun. I feel like that kind of kickstarted my year in 2021 to, to play well, the rest in the corn Ferry and get my card. Um, so I look back at that moment, the U S open as a, as a, yeah, a big milestone in my, my short career so far yeah and obviously being a big moment there but then now i think now that you're into your second year you're you're into the wraparound season here what are some of your goals and, and what what did you, what have you learned about yourself that you're going to now transfer over here to this uh rest of the way yeah um the pediatric tour is changing like the way they're doing their playoffs and everything so like instead of the top 125 making it to the playoffs the top 125 will still be like fully exempt but the top 70 will make it say to the uh it's the first playoff event um i forget it's not the northern trust what's it called i forget not the bmw but like the one um, oh yeah Met, the fed Met Met, yeah, the, yeah yeah exactly so that'll, be, that'll be 70 <laughs> players instead of 125 um so i think of course like some of the small goals i have i mean big goals i would love to win i mean that's the biggest thing um love to to make it to saint jude finish in the top 70 just because um like I'm grateful to be in the 126 to 150 category this year. Um, but like when you're in that category and you played well and you, when you get into a new category in the top seven year, you win a tournament, it just kind of gets easier knowing what tournaments you can play. Um, you can play bigger events and kind of pick your schedule. Um, I'm still at the point where like, oh, I'm basically barely, I'm a little worse than a rookie and I kind of just have to play anything I get into and, and, and do that until I can play my way out of it, which is, which is fine. It's a good problem to have because you're on the PGA tour. Um, but I think this year, uh, last year, I feel like I learned a lot um, as a rookie. I felt like I played a lot of decent golf. I just didn't really finish it out at a lot of tournaments where I made the cut and finished like between 40th and 55th, which doesn't really get you much in points and stuff like that. Um, so I kind of think this year, I think I want to have the mindset of kind of being, I was just talking to my mental coach about this before, like kind of being hungrier and just not being, okay with like complacency or being okay with where I am or with my results. Um, just always wanting more um, and just having that self-confidence that I know I'm a great player and I can compete against the best in the world. Um, 
and just just having that drive. I feel like on the PGA Tour, especially the way they advertise on the corn fair, it's like, oh, you got your PGA Tour card, you've made it. It's like, no, you haven't made it. You have to play really well to do everything. But that's the way they kind of the media markets it. It's like, oh, you got your PGA Tour card, you've made it. It's like, no, if you play bad, you'll lose it and you'll go back. Um, so I think it's just the things I want to do this year, just kind of small goals. Uh, like other small goals are just kind of making sure I kind of seize every day and seize every opportunity and really just kind of put my head down and work really hard um, and not be okay with, with uh, just mediocrity, honestly, like not being okay. Like, Hey, I'm on the PGA tour. It's all great. It's like, no, you need to just having like wanting more. Um, I think that comes with like playing well, like, playing well um like all 72 holes just having a little more consistent results um i want to put myself in like more more late tea times on sunday um get the get the juices flowing i mean the only time the juices really get flowing in professional golf or all in, in professional golf for me at least or, or like when i'm on the cut line uh first tee shots probably and then when you're in contention and, and honestly those are the only times that you get like nervous energy a little bit so trying to like get more of that by, by, by putting myself in, in better positions and more tournaments. Um, and I think I'll do a better job this year. Just, just being my second year and everything, I'll be a little more comfortable, but honestly, like, even though it's your second year and you've experienced more, it's like golf is golf. Um, there's plenty of rookies last year that played really, really well. Like I mean, you had Cameron Young, my best buddy, Davis rally saw him. Um, like they're rookies. They're seeing the course for the, the first time, but they're playing great. It's like, it's, golf is still golf like good golf is good golf no matter what level you're on so um yeah those are just kind of the things i want to do this year um like i'm grateful to be on the pj tour but i know that i can still i can be a top player and i think it's just just making sure i work hard every day to to try to make that possible because you can't you really haven't made it until you're until you win a win win a, win a pj tour event and you you set your schedule you get in the top 50 in the world and then and uh you still haven't made it then i mean you make it when you maybe you're 40, 45 and you play on the tour for 20 years or something like that. <laughs> um, but I think it's just, that's, those are the small things. Um, just not, yeah. just not being, not being okay with being just another, like an average PJ tour player. You just, just want to like, you just want to keep on setting the goals for yourself and just wanting more. Well, speaking of the small things, what kinds of things have you been working on with the swing at the moment? Yeah. So I actually decided uh, after corn Ferry finals last year, um, to go back to my Northwestern coach on my entire game. So before, wow. yeah, before, like in, before I was last year, I was working with him only on short game, um, like wedge game, short game and putting. And then I decided to move back to him on like my entire game, basically my full swing. That's the only thing I added. Um, just cause he was the reason uh, my coach at Northwestern, Pat Goss was the reason I went to Northwestern. He's a great coach. Coach Luke Donald is a really good short game coach, but I feel like he knew my game really well, like knew my golf DNA. And I feel like it'd be easier with him to kind of work on things and just slowly get, slowly get a little better and better versus kind of just tinkering a little bit. Um, my old coach who I worked with for about a year and a half, two years, Jeff Smith's great guy works with a lot of um, tour pros like Victor Hovland, Davis yeah. Riley, Wu, Aaron Wise, Patrick Rogers, like great guys who are great ball strikers. I love Jeff. He's, he was great. I feel like I learned a lot feel like it wasn't the right fit for me a little bit i feel like for me the way i swing it, it's a little more unique um i have more unique matchups and i feel like pat just having that experience in northwestern for for four years and i worked with him afterwards for about two years on my swing 
he just knows my golf swing very, very well, the ins and outs, um, and knows my tendencies. And I felt like, um, that was a, that was a big decision for me. And I feel like I've already seen progress on it, um, since, uh, since working with him. Um, so that's been good. Those are some of the small things I'm working on in my swing. And then just, uh, which is progressive with like, like your grip and like small adjustments. I know you've talked about having a weak weak grip in the past, but yeah, the one thing I'm working on right now is just kind of adding stability in the downswing. Um, the one thing I do is like, I, my weight shift kind of goes too much to my toes, which kind of gets me unstable. That's where I feel like I, um, don't, I can't really complete my backswing well enough. Then in transition, I get to my toes and that's where you kind of like, hit a lot of toe draws you hit pull hooks when you're when you're off balance a little bit so just adding a little more stability to my swing um being a little more patient um are those some of the things we're working on uh just trying to get the club i feel like when i'm patient and a little more stable i get the club more on plane instead of overshallowing it and then i'm able to hit the ball a little higher uh less knuck less knuckly like a little more spinny just have a little more control over the golf ball um, so those are the things I'm working on with him. Um, there like a off- thought, is there a thought in your brain as you're going over the ball to help you get that patient feel? Yeah. I just kind of feel like everything kind of settles at the top. It's not like, Oh, I'm like, I just, it's not like I need to hit a certain position. Like I feel like we've worked enough on my setup and kind of take away that it's just like a, a body movement. Now I kind of like the feeling I have right now is like letting everything settle a little bit where the club like almost stops, even though I know it won't one for me, but I like, kind of feel like Hideki or like, everything stops and then the one thing i feel in transition right now is kind of sitting like if there's like a chair behind me like sitting so like i'm pushing into the ground versus like pushing into my toes when my weight goes forward um because when am i if, if i push into my toes and the weight goes forward the club gets too shallow and underneath and that's where i get um swing too much um from the inside and then that's where you can hit that hit too much of those pull draws that nobody likes to hit um <laughs> Uh, but those are some of the, yeah, some of the things I'm working on with him. Yeah. Um, what's well, interesting when, when you look at, you mentioned some of your other peers, so you think of a Davis Riley, uh, Sahith, the Gallic guys have playing really well, but uh, you know, a friend of yours for a long time was a uh, Colin Morikawa guy. You went to war with against in college, uh, college golf. And it's interesting. Is there a story from your time in college golf or even since then that that's, uh, that was funny between you and Colin? Yeah. I mean, I've met Colin when I was, I think 13, maybe 12 or 13 we were playing a junior all-star tournament HAGA. I think we played a practice round together. Um, then I had a lot of buddies go to Cal. I almost went to Cal. Like, honestly, it was part of my <laughs> second school behind Northwestern. Um, so we could have definitely been teammates. Um, I had lunch with him last year when I was in between tournaments in Vegas. Um, he's just a good guy. I mean, he's, he's a world-class talent. I mean, people ask me who are the best players you play with. And, and at Tory, when I played in the U S open, played a practice round with Colin. It was me and him. And the next day I played with Victor Hovland, uh, Francesco Molinari. But honestly, Colin, like his ball striking is probably one of the most, his one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Like he's probably one of the best, probably the best ball striker I've seen. And like, he, I was looking at his stats, like I was watching the coverage last week and they're like, yeah, he didn't have that great of last year. And like <laughs> last year he was third in strokes can approach. I'm like, he said last year he wasn't like hitting that cut he wanted. And I'm like, you're third in strokes rate approach when you're not swinging that great. And I'm like, that's, that's absolutely insane. Especially nowadays with golfing so hard and like the level, the, the highest level is just getting hard, uh, higher and higher. Um, but no, he's a good guy. I mean, he's a great, great dude. I mean, he's super humble, but he's just, uh, 
he's smart and he's also a foodie. So I think that's the one thing we do like is like we enjoy eating good food. Um, because I think uh there's definitely some players that that don't care for it. I mean that's the one thing I love about traveling is like in Hawaii this week I'm gonna eat a bunch of Hawaiian food. Like I think he's the same. Like he was in Maui. I think he talks about that in some of his interviews, like eating like acai bowls or poke bowls and stuff like that. I love like like I love Hawaiian food. I love sushi. I love poke. I love I love like short ribs and stuff like that. All the Hawaiian dishes. I mean it seems like all the Hawaiian dishes here are like not that great for you. It's usually fried or or <laughs> yeah, fried or golden. Um but yeah, he's just a great guy. I mean we played some price rounds together. Um he's he's always a guy like when I was on the corn ferry and when he when he started really well on the PGA tour, like um like send me some messages like rooting rooting for me and like some other guys like all of us college guys who who played against each other around the same age like we're all rooting for each other because it, it kind of seems like we're this it's the it's the same as playing in junior golf or college golf we're the same like we we grew up at the um same time and, and um played alongside each other in college um but yeah he's he's a great dude i mean you see nowadays like i'm 26 it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of us that are around the same age on the pga tour it seems like it's just getting younger and younger um but uh yeah it's it's been it's been great uh knowing him and um i think last year i think we had one i think i played valse bar and i'm like yeah this is it's probably like we've been already halfway through the season the pga tour season and this is the first tournament i've seen you at just because we have different schedules when you're that when you're that good you play a different schedule um That's so crazy. yeah yeah, it is crazy. Um, but he's a great guy. I mean, there's a lot of great guys in the PGA Tour. Um, I think that's the one thing that you'll see is like, no matter how good some players get, um, there's still guys who are just good, good human beings that are just normal dudes. Um, that'll do like just normal things. Like they say, like Scotty Shuffler still drives his like pickup truck from college. Yeah. Like when you're that level and you're having that much success, you can drive whatever you want. But um, those small things are, I mean. It just shows. It just shows. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, professional athletes are are still normal people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. Speaking of normal people, you got just a normal person on the bag for you. Your your younger brother Jeremy. And, and what is that like? I mean, you guys went through a whole season of being on the PGA Tour together, seeing places for the first time. I mean, how cool is that to share that with your brother? Yeah, it's great. I mean, I always joke around that, like, yeah, I saved his ass. Basically, <laughs> he was working at EY and tax accounting. Um, and not really liking it that much. And he watched me at the U S open at Tory. You know, I had a caddy at the time and I was like, on the edge of maybe trying to change things up. And then I told Jeremy that he could, he could try one event in, in Portland, Maine. And we played decently well as a week after the U S open. And he didn't really do that much. Um, Cause he always jokes around. Like if I knew what I knew now as a caddy back then, I feel like I would have done a better job. I remember like, look, we were joking around, like looking at his notes from the first time he caddies for me. And they're like the most generic notes ever like <laughs> aim slightly left here or it's like something like that off the okay. tee um, but he's been great um i think the one good thing uh that we've done i think it's like i feel like it's really easy to like spend too much time with another person no matter who it is i mean i feel like your spouse is like kind of the only person you should do that with because especially with siblings and everything but like last year i think we played <laughs> 25 25 to 27 events i think we stayed together three times so that made it nice like where I'm not like seeing you every single time, every single moment throughout the day. Cause sometimes I want him to be my brother. Sometimes I want him to be, be my caddy where I'm his boss. Um, so it's just kind of balancing that structure. Um, but it's great. Um, 
I feel like there's certain things you can say to a brother first and he won't take it personally versus another person just because they kind of know how you think and everything. Um, so he's been great. Um, I feel like we're slowly figuring out like the right formula that works for me uh, to, to play my best. I do though think that whenever he comes to caddy for me in a Monday qualifier, I play terrible. So I think he's probably <laughs> not going to play one of the qualifiers. He'll, he'll skip those. It's weird. I think we've played like four or five Monday qualifiers together and I played terrible in all of them. Um, it's his is, fault. Totally his fault. Yeah, exactly. You always got to blame the caddy. Somebody's <laughs> got to put blame. Uh, but it's great now. Um, no, it's been it's been great. It's, it's weird to think that he's been on the bag for a year and a half already. Doesn't seem like doesn't seem like that long, but um, it's been a lot of events. Um, but I know he likes it out here. Um, he's a good caddy now. Um, he, yeah. I mean, it's it's been great to to share that success and and have um, yeah, those good mo- this goes those good moments with your family. Um, so yeah, it's been great having him. Yeah. What's interesting, uh, you, you're at the PGA Tour level now, and when you look at the other tours around the world, you see Live Golf came out of nowhere last year and kind of overtook the scene. Um, what do you make of kind of what they've established And as a young player when you see something like that? Yeah, I mean, um, I remember first hearing the rumors of Live. I was like, oh, it's kind of skeptical and everything. But honestly, like looking at it now, like they made a huge dent in like the golfing world. Honestly, they took a lot of big names. Um, and I think it's just the balance. Like the one thing right now, it's pretty being a person in my shoes, being a PGA tour member, it's, it's a pretty good time to be a PGA tour golfer or being a golfer at a high level, just because there's certain changes. I think that golf is making to cater more towards the players, you know, like other sports, um, you have owners and stuff like that, but but players are getting guaranteed stuff um, and golf. People don't even realize like normal people don't even realize that we have to pay for our hotel, our caddy and everything we do every single yeah. week. Like really. So this week at Sony, there's 144 people, 65 and ties make the cut. So you'll say maybe okay, half the people will make money or, or do better than break even. And then half the people will lose a couple thousand dollars. And it just doesn't work like that in other sports. Um, when you're at the highest level, like the PGA tour was the highest level. Like you'd say like the 144 players here, they're the top 250 players in the world. Um, if you have anything, any other sport, no matter how bad, like some guy on the bench for the Lakers, some of that plays, like they're still <laughs> getting guaranteed. So I think just understanding that, like you see all this money in professional sports and professional golf, like with tiger and everything, but it's like, you still have to play ball for it. Like, um, so I think that's like the balance the PGA tour and the golfing golfing world is, is balancing now is like making sure players are getting compensated, like rightfully so, uh, cause the PGA tour is a great product and like it's broadcasted internationally and like every business kind of wants to partner with the PGA tour. I mean, you see the, the, the biggest corporations in the world, like the CEOs, they probably play golf. Like everybody loves golf. Golf's a very, has a, like that rich, rich sport, a lot of money. Um, so I think that that's the shift that you've seen a little bit is the purses are going up. Everything's going up. Um, they're trying to fight the PJ tour trying to fight against live with the guaranteed money and everything like that. All right. This is part of the recording where my zoom cut off. And so we had to restart it. So this is us picking it back up uh, mid conversation about PGA tour and live comparing PGA tour and live and how it's just the guaranteed money, like the difference in, in all that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like I mean, last like now, if you play a live and you finish last, you're making 120 grand. It's just crazy. 
which is crazy. It's just like, I remember looking at a stat last year. It's like DJ in his first year on live made more money than Xander Shoffley's career. Like Xander Shoffley is a great player right now. And he's, and he's young still. And he's like, that's crazy to hear. Um, so I think this is, it's, it's weird because I think it's, it's kind of affected the product of golf. Like, honestly, I feel like you have this device in golf where people don't want to watch it as much because you have this like live PGA talk so much. And honestly, I feel like the, I feel like with the PGA tour, like I don't mind the guys leaving to live, but it's like kind of hard to say like, Hey, you guys left to live. You took all this money and everything. Like it's great, but like, don't try to come back and play PGA tour events a little bit. Um, just cause you're trying to like cut out of both pies. Like I'm fine with guys who like, if your world ranking is high enough, like playing in your majors and stuff like that, like at the masters, there's gonna be like 15 to 20 live guys playing it this year. Yeah, totally. Um, but uh, it's weird. I feel like with Liv, they could do a different. I don't know how it's going to work in the future with them coexisting. Because I feel like Liv, with their unlimited war chest, like is going to be around for a little bit um, just because they make so much money. Um, but I feel like the Liv product could have changed a little bit so they could have catered to getting world ranking points. And like, I mean, you could easily make, you could basically make Liv Golf World Golf Championships. You can make a 72 player field four days guaranteed money that's basically what a world golf golf championship was in the past yeah um so it's honestly like i think live side could have done a better job of doing that and the pga tour probably should have did something a little better of like maybe working on something to like merge it together not seeing it so much as a threat but like hey like what if we just do this to make the entire golfing professional golf pga tour which is the highest level better like let's because i mean if i just feel like that could have it could have been a little better versus just going at each other. Um, but I don't really know how it's going to work uh, in a couple of years. Like, I feel like now you have like the top players, they have to play these elevated events, right? Like they're basically forced to play in these in, in order to get all their PIP money, um, which is weird because then you have like the top players playing these, all this, the certain schedule. And then you have like the rest of the PGA tour playing this other schedule. So you kind of have two tours within the PGA tour. Um, and it's like if all the top players are playing top of the top events, like, and then some top players are playing bad, are they still considered top players? It's like, it's just that yeah, with the fine thing. line, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the PG Tour, it's it's hard to do everything. Um, I think Jay's done a good, decent job with everything. Um, I actually like Jay a lot. I feel like some parts of the exact, like, I feel like, I think last year I learned of the PG Tour how much I feel like actual pga tour members don't like the pga tour because they don't feel like their voices mm. are heard ever um and it's like yes you want to keep the top players happy but you want to keep your your entire membership happy and like you might have top 30 guys the top 30 guys you want to take care of but there's still 200 other members that are that you still have to think of so it's kind of having that balance because it seems like right, right now they're kind of just catering to the top players and making sure that they're happy like this this pip money is basically like okay here's money because you're a top player and you're famous and you're making, we're making sure you get paid properly for, for being at the high, being one of the top players on the PJ tour. Um, the, the tour probably won't say that, but I mean, that's from, from a normal PJ tour member or like a rookie or me in my second year, that's kind of how I see it. And I think that's how some of my friends see it. It's like, where all this money come from? It's like, it's literally just <laughs> a direct response to live doing all this stuff. So I like, think at one point, like all this stuff from live is great for 
for the golfer because we're playing for more money and we're getting more compensated. And I think the product um, is getting just a little better. Um, but I don't know what the future of golf is going to be like in the next five years. Like, I don't know if the model for both tours can sustain itself. Like I know the PGA tour has got, had to go on, had, has had to go into the reserves a lot um, in the past year, year and a half um, with COVID and also with live. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. To, it's a lot. I mean, I think the one thing now is like, there's less, well, the live season hasn't really started yet, but they've, they've already taken a couple courses from the PGA tour. Like my Coba got taken by live and stuff like that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, kind of glad that the talks have gone gone last. Like I, I honestly thought there would be a few players that were going to leave this winter to go to live. Um, yeah, me too. Just the rumors, but who who knows what's going to happen? Um, so everything's still up in the air. Um, I kind of like how the PGA Tour is kind of going back to a calendar year, though. That's a side topic, but like starting in twenty twenty four, the first event will be in Hawaii. Um, and well, the turn of the season will end in like October or whatever. They won't have the fall season, like finishing in the fall. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to talk in the golfing world right now. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, there's a lot, I mean, there's, there's the best golfers in the world and then you have all this live stuff. Um, then you have like the Asian tour being part of live. It's like the Asian tour is basically like the lives version of the corn fairy tour. It's like the feeder tour. And now the live is like pumping money into the Asian tour where the purses in the past were like kind of lower. And now they're getting up to two to 4 million, which is kind of a lot. It's like basically an opposite field PJ tour event to play on the Asian tour, um, which is crazy. Um, so I think it's, um, there's just a lot, I think it's just back and forth. I mean, you see a lot of stuff with PJ tour university, like next year, the number one guy is going to get PJ tour status. That's because live took a lot of young guys last year. Like they took some NCAA champions, the USAM champions, some young guys yeah. who are still so um no it's still it's a it's definitely still a, a battle between those two those two sides so uh, we'll see how it plays out but like i said like golf it's good to be a professional golfer right now um it's good to be on the <laughs> tour uh, with this with these changes i mean just to see how much the purses have gone up in the last i mean five six years i mean it's not just the tiger uh effect anymore it's just like it's 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 crazy i mean you saw the century turn champions like the purse double. I mean, you have twenty million dollar purses. The players' championship will be twenty five million. So it's it's crazy. It's people like thinking like, oh, golfers are playing for so much money now. It's like, well, LeBron James and like some guys are making fifty million a year. It's like when the guys have, when guys when guys and they're getting it guaranteed versus like they they might not win the MVP, but like Scotty Scheffler like last year had like the biggest year, and it's I forget how much it was, but yeah. Um, yeah, you'll see just a lot of, a lot of things happening in golf. So it's entertaining. It's definitely entertaining. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. And just, just closing this, I, I'll, I'll get you out of here on tournament week. Um, you, you won price cutter at 27 under par, unbelievable score. Uh, that was your win on the corn Ferry tour. What's the best mentality for us weekend golfers when, when we got it going hot and, and we're playing well on a good round, we're off to a good start. What's a good way to keep it going? Uh, you first off, make sure you're not playing with anybody who mentions your score. Cause that's the worst. There's, okay. That's always the worst part. Like, Oh, you're seven under par right now. Or like, dude, you're like even par. It's like at seven. <laughs> like, why are you saying that dude? You're not helping anybody. Um, so that, that's definitely one thing, but honestly, it's like, I feel like you play your best golf when you just kind of, you kind of just going through, not going through the motion, but you're just so you're just focused on every shot. 
that's where like you're just playing shots you're trying to you're hitting shots you're you're having fun you're just focused on hitting a good putt here and then it goes in the hole and you're like bam 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 you played 10 holes and you're playing your best round it's when you start thinking of the results like oh i have a par five short par five coming up i need to birdie that hole it's like kind of lowering your not lowering your expectations but just not having any expectations like treating every hole and every shot um like you normally would don't put any extra pressure on a certain shot versus another because they're all worth the same so i think just having that balance and um not getting in your that's how you get not get in your own way it's just like oh let me focus on hitting this this specific shot here. I'm gonna hit a high draw nine iron. And you're focusing so much focusing on that, you're not like thinking like, hey, I need to hit this green to shoot 75 today. You know, so it's just having that mindset of of changing, changing the way your 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 perspective is. And I think that will help amateurs. Um, because that's what pros do. Cause I mean, once you when once pros start thinking of shooting the course record or whatever, then you start getting you start just spiraling. It's like when you're you're trying to win a tournament and you're like, Oh, you think about the trophy in your mind already before you finish. Like that's when, that's when shit goes sideways and you might have a, <laughs> it's, not over. it's not over till the end. So, um, but, but speak, yeah, speaking of, well, real quick, speaking, speaking of stuff going sideways, you missed a putt of John Deere this last summer and you oh, yeah. berated yourself verbally, oh, but you collected yourself and then made three birdies after that. Like what, how do you, how do you do that? You know, for us. Yeah. With, with golf. I mean, I think that's the, Oh, with one thing is I still get mad. I mean, I think all golfers <laughs> get mad, but like sometimes it's just like, there's a balance of getting mad. So you're motivated. So you want to like work hard and like, you're like, you're pissed off. Like, Hey, I'm going to play well now. Versus like getting so mad to the point where like, okay, I don't care anymore. So it's like that fine balance. Like John Deere was just pissed because I was like hitting the ball well all week. I I think I finished number one in strokes gain approach. I'm like, that doesn't happen that often. And I'm like, can't make any birdies. I was playing well that day. And I'm like, I had an eagle putt and I three putted. And I'm like, what is going on? I hit a great shot and I come away with par. I was just like, oh, I was mad. But I mean, that was. That just shows. I mean, yeah, golfers are golfers are human. I mean, that was a little meltdown there. It was pretty funny. I made sure not to curse because I know PGA Tour Live was watching me that day, and I was just like, oh. But uh, no, that was definitely a funny moment. My friends, my buddies, always bring that up. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, they don't let you yeah. go without talking about it, huh? A hundred percent. I mean, there's. I mean, if you saw everything, like all the shots from all the PGA Tour players. I mean, there's certain guys that just say certain things and get so pissed off i'm like wow if this was on camera this would be bad so uh, <laughs> uh luckily it wasn't that bad on when i when i watched it again made sure made sure there wasn't any fines from uh <laughs> from from any swear words or anything like that well good stuff dylan Wu. thanks for joining me here on the pod and enjoy uh, your week there in uh, hawaii thank you appreciate it All right, my thanks to Dylan Wu for jumping on the pod, second-year PGA Tour player. In a week like this, Sony Open, it's not an elevated event. These are events he's getting into. He's got to play well. He's got to prove it while he's here. Uh, so a lot going on for a season like this for Dylan Wu. Hopefully he can hang in there and, and have a good finish and have a good uh, rest of the season. So hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll catch up soon on the podcast.